When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for downloading episode 139 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com, and you can look me up on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. We've got chapter four for you today from my self-published book, The Bag Room, in which I detail my time growing up and working at my local country club in my hometown. Uh, This chapter is a fun one. Um, This is a time when my friend and I actually went out to uh, the country club on a Monday. And for those who don't know, uh, a lot of private clubs are closed to the membership on Monday and the staff get to go out and take advantage of the golf course. Or if you've got a pool, you can do that as well. Think Caddyshack and the uh, 15 minutes that the uh, the caddies get to play in the pool. Well, we have uh, we had Mondays off and and the course is closed. And so my buddy Tim and I go out there and we wanted to play a little golf, and we had the whole day planned out. We were going to grab a golf cart. We had lunch already pre-made, and we were just going to play as many holes as possible. Well, as you'll hear in this uh, week's uh, chapter, you'll uh, you'll understand that sometimes it doesn't go as planned. So I uh, hope you're enjoying my reading of the, uh, the bag room here. This will be one of the final episodes, if not the final episode, of the Golf and Filter podcast for 2017, and I just want to thank everyone for your continued support. Uh, throughout these 139 episodes, uh, thank you to everyone who comes out to the website as well and sends me emails. I really appreciate all the feedback that you've been giving. I also want to thank you all for the uh, the nice words that you sent over to me uh, following a tweet that I had sent out not too long ago regarding some personal stuff that was going on in our side here at GUHQ. Really appreciate all of the support once again. So, without uh, much further ado, please feel free to send me any feedback you have about this week's chapter of the bag room and once again chapter four coming at you right now the bag room by adam fonseca chapter four if there is any larceny in a man golf will bring it out quote by paul galico working at elverton country club offered its fair share of perks free soda from the kitchen, free lunch every day in the restaurant, and the occasional free shirt from the pro shop were definitely nothing to shake a stick at. However, the biggest perk all employees enjoyed at the club was free golf on Mondays when the course was closed to members. I was still learning a great deal about the game when I was 18, so being able to play bad golf for free on a course I would have never been able to play otherwise, Elverton was a private club and not open to the public, uh, was like a dream come true for a broke bagroom employee like myself. All that was required was a written pass from the head pro, a set of golf clubs, and about five hours to kill on a hot summer day. We were even allowed to bring one guest with us to play. In a football-heavy high school atmosphere, my friends and I, who actually enjoyed golf, did so in secret and away from most of our other acquaintances who would otherwise call us dorks or nerds. We all loved golf, but we also understood that it was seen in an old man's game, 
and by other people our age. Furthermore, and on a different level, golf was damned expensive for a bunch of high schoolers to play on a regular basis. So, playing free golf was something of legend among me and my friends. It just didn't happen that often. On this particular Monday, a friend and I decided to wake up in the early morning and make our way out to the course around 7 a.m. While employees are really only able to play afternoon, so the groundskeepers can manicure the course in the morning, we decided to ignore what we thought was a stupid rule and take our chances. After all, dodging a few lawnmowers and weed whackers couldn't be that difficult. I remember my buddy Tim had also packed a few Gatorades and sandwiches in his golf cooler for the day, which we could throw in the back of our cart and have the best day of our golfing lives. When Tim and I arrived to the course that day early in the morning, we were by far the only non-grounds crew employees on the property. We sprung out of our car, threw on our golf shoes, and started down toward the bag room from the clubhouse side door. We had left our golf bags in the trunk of my car, planning to retrieve them once we commandeered a golf cart. Tim and I reached the bag room in a few seconds, flipped the back entrance light switch on, and I headed towards the large garage door that was shut every night. Tim headed towards the first row of golf carts on the other side of the bag room. I was able to unlock and open the garage door with ease. Uh, The key to the padlock we used to secure the door was in a nearby bench drawer. When I heard Tim ask, Hey, Silky, what's with this cord running through the carts? I headed over to where Tim was standing near the first golf cart. As it turns out, another security measure the club used to secure the golf cart was to run an alarm cord through the outer ring of golf carts, which then ran into a small gray box in the ceiling. At that point in my employment at ACC, I had only seen this cord one time before and had never actually connected it or armed the alarm. In fact, Billy had told me a couple weeks before that he wasn't even sure if the alarm actually worked or if it was just used as a visual deterrent to any would-be thieves who wanted to go for a joyride. Oh, I, I think that's what we call an alarm cord. I'm pretty sure it doesn't even work. I think it's fake, I told Tim. Tim looked at me and then back at the cord in his hands. He then followed the length of the cord with his eyes up to a gray box in the ceiling. Are you sure about that? Looks pretty real to me, man. Well, all I know is that I'm not walking today, I told Tim. Besides, we have this cooler and 36 holes of golf to play. I reached down and grabbed the alarm cord out of Tim's hands, fiddling with the small plastic connector that pieced one end of the cord to the other, sort of like an electrical outlet plug. This other guy I work with told me it's fake anyway. You know, just in case someone tries to steal a cart. It'll make him think twice. It's certainly making me think twice, Silk. Tim was getting nervous. Maybe we should just walk. Don't don't be such a wuss. Look, I said as I wrapped my hands around either side of the connector and pulled. The cord came undone rather easily, and Tim and I paused. I don't even think we were breathing. Thinking back... I really had no idea if an alarm would start screaming at us or not. However, after a few seconds of hearing nothing, no blinking lights, no screaming alarm, no SWAT team running down the stairs, Tim and I laughed and climbed into the first golf cart and sped out of the bag room. We got back up to our car, loaded our bags onto the cart, and we were ready to begin our marathon day of golf. Now, the day before, I had talked to our assistant pro, Skip, about getting a pass to play golf the following day. You might tell you a different side of the story, and he would probably be right, but I specifically remember him telling me that taking golf carts out on a Monday was absolutely fine and that people did it all the time. As I think back about that conversation some 15, 20 years later now, 
I'm probably 100% sure that he said neither of those two things, and I had made up those phrases in a state of panic. Yes, uh, definitely 100% sure. Probably, maybe. The panic comes later. Tim and I just finished our third hole of golf when we were riding in our cart towards the fourth tee cart path, which was located right across the front of the parking lot when one would arrive on Elverton's property. Right about then, we saw a brand new black Mercedes-Benz roll into the lot, being driven by one of the nicer members of the club, Mr. Connor. I got along pretty well with Mr. Connor for a few reasons. He tipped really well, he was a hell of a player, and he was also an alumni of the college I was hoping to attend later that fall. However, this didn't explain what he was doing at Elverton on a Monday morning. Tim and I looked at each other and decided to follow Mr. Connor to the clubhouse. When we reached his parked car, we saw that Mr. Connor was there to apparently practice. How's it going, gentlemen? He asked as he rose out of his car. Out for a quick 18? Hi, Mr. Connor. Yeah, you can say that. Maybe a little more if we play fast enough. I made a motion to his open car trunk and golf bag. You, uh, you plan on hitting a few putts or something? You know the club is closed to members on Monday, right? I know that, Brian. Mr. Connor was one of the only members to know my name, let alone my real name, and not Silky. But I don't think there's any harm if I came out here and played a few holes. Besides, I pay my dues just like everyone else. I'll tell you what, Brian. Why don't you and your friend run down and bring me back a golf cart? He said this while reaching for his wallet, which I obviously knew was a very good thing for Tim and I. So after a brief pause to gauge this risk-reward situation, I decided to accommodate his request. We were back with his golf cart in no time, and Mr. Connor tipped both Tim and I $20 for for our efforts. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll just leave the cart down by the bag room when I'm done. Should only be a few holes. And with that, Mr. Connor drove off towards the back nine, and Tim and I were each $20 richer. We had continued to play for about 15 more minutes until we saw another person driving towards us in another golf cart. At first we thought this was Mr. Connor coming back to ask for something else, but then I realized that this person was certainly not Mr. Connor, and he seemed incredibly angry. This assumption was proven when he did not return our waving gesture. As our visitor got closer to where we stood in the fifth fairway, I was able to make out his face. It was our head golf pro, Paul Brewer. Did I mention he was pissed? God damn it, Silk, Brewer screamed at me. What the hell are you two doing out here in a cart? Better yet, what the fuck is a member doing out here in a golf cart on a Monday? Have you lost your mind? You know that feeling you get as a kid when you're getting scolded by someone other than your parents and you have absolutely no idea how to respond without being shot in the face? That's how I was feeling, so I remained quiet. Both of you better drive your asses back up to the clubhouse right now. Tim and I saw our day ending right before our eyes as we followed Brewer back to the clubhouse in a stolen golf cart. As we got back to the parking lot, we saw that not only was Mr. Connor back at his car with the cart we gave him, but so too were two Elverton City police officers. Brewer's car was also parked at the side of the lot across three parking spaces along the trees behind the first tee. The man didn't even bother to park in the lines? I knew I was toast if he was that blinded by rage. Brewer came over to Tim and me and introduced us to the two officers, who then asked what we were doing out here. Brewer explained we were his employees, even though Tim was nowhere near an employee of the club, and we were allowed to be here. We just weren't allowed to have golf carts. Brewer went on to explain that Mr. Connor was a member of the club and must have thought the golf outing was today instead of next week. In other words, Brewer stuck up for everyone when he absolutely did not have to.
Tim and I stayed silent the entire time. After a few minutes, the police officers drove off. Mr. Connor got into his car and left, which left just Brewer glaring down at us. Silk, I'm only going to say this once. If you ever pull this shit again, not only are you fired, but I will let the police arrest your ass for taking club property. You know damn well that you're not allowed to use carts out here on a Monday, and you sure as hell aren't supposed to unhook the silent cart alarm. Silent cart alarm? Billy was a dead man when I saw him next. What exactly gave you the idea you could use a cart? Brewer asked. Well, I, I thought Skip said I could use one. I knew when I finished saying that phrase, my whole situation had just gotten a lot worse. Skip, Skip told you that? Brewer looked as I just told him his mother died. You're telling me that Skip gave you permission to use a cart today. Dude, did he say that? Tim asked me under his breath. Shut the fuck up, Tim. Uh, yeah, Paul. I'm pretty sure Skip told me I could use a cart. Sorry, though. I, I promise it won't happen again. Promise. Brewer ran off to his car with a cell phone after hearing this, and Tim and I looked at each other, shrugging in typical, so what do we do now fashion. So we did the only thing we knew what to do. We got back in our car and started to drive off. Brewer shouted to us before we got too far, however, and stopped us before we left the parking lot. Brewer informed me that he was going to have a long conversation with Skip about this little incident and what he is telling Brewer's employees. I was also told my Monday playing privileges were suspended for three weeks, which was pretty mild considering what could have happened. Tim and I left the club at that point and headed for another local course just down the road. The next day I was scheduled to work the closing shift at Elverton, and, of course, Skip was the pro that just so happened to be working the same shift. The entire night prior, I was suffering panic attacks at home in anticipation of what was going to happen the next day at work. I had never been fired before in my short experience in the working world, and I liken this potential outcome with lethal injection. I've always had a way of making myself crazy with worry leading up to an inevitable confrontation. Regardless, I walked into work that Tuesday afternoon with my tail between my legs and a baseball cap tucked low on my brow. My mother had given me some advice the night prior on how to approach this situation. Just tell Skip you were very sorry and that this was a misunderstanding on your part. If you're still worried after that point, my mother had said, just start praying. There's really nothing more you can do. I wasn't much of a believer in religion at that time, probably because most of my friends were revolting against all that stuff they learned in Catholic school, and it seemed like the cool thing to do, but I always seemed to revert back to praying when I needed help. Nowadays, I try not to keep God on a retainer. Skip came up to me almost immediately. You. Huge mistake. Huge. I could tell this wasn't going well. Was it too early to start praying? Why would you tell Brewer I gave you permission to use the golf cart? You know that's a damn lie. Look, Skip, you're right. I'm sorry. I was under the impression we could use carts, but clearly I was wrong. It was a misunderstanding on my part. Thanks, Mom. It won't happen again. Skip was clearly in the mood to argue, but after hearing what I said, I could tell his demeanor changed immediately. He paused for a moment and smiled. I like how you put that, Silk. A misunderstanding on your part. That's pretty much what happened, isn't it? But I respect that about you. That was very mature. Skip then reached over to the bagroom workbench, grabbed a screwdriver, and handed it to me. But tonight, you're screwed. Reason number 430, while the Alberton driving range sucks. Sometimes, following a heavy rain, range balls will become buried in the driving range mud. 
These range balls will remain lodged in the mud until someone goes out onto the range on his hands and knees with a screwdriver and digs them out. Today, that someone was me. And that was my penance for taking a golf cart when I shouldn't have. All told, I believe I spent about five hours on the range that evening with a screwdriver and a flashlight once the sun went down, poking the tool into the mud to dig out range ball after range ball. At the end of the night, Skip drove up to me in a cart with a smug look on his face and a clean towel for my hands. How many balls did you get tonight? I looked back at my golf cart and counted the baskets on the back of the cart. Three of those? That totaled about 900 golf balls ripped from the earth with my bare hands. Oh, and, and a screwdriver, of course. That's good work. All right, man, you've had enough. Just remember, no carts on Mondays, okay? I agreed with Skip and walked back to my cart to head into the bag room. As time went on over the next eight summers at Elverton, the no-carts rule would eventually be lifted as less and less employees took advantage of the free golf on Mondays. As I moved into veteran status within the bag room, I would remind new employees of how much screwdriving the range sucked and how it would be the most severe punishment a wayward employee could experience without getting fired. To this day, I am pretty sure no one else has had to suffer that fate since. I walk when I play golf now. Most of the time. Alright folks, well that was chapter 4 of The Bag Room, and I still remember that day pretty clearly. Uh, that, that was pretty, um, at the time, for a kid that didn't get in trouble much, I mean that that was a pretty traumatic experience for me but you know obviously it wasn't that big of a deal they just came by the police did and and said you know stop fooling around and you know the biggest thing of course was getting yelled at by your boss you know for a kid who you know working at during the summer you don't really have that experience too much or at least I didn't um and so uh it was definitely kind of an eye-opening thing and plus you know you got your friend there with you and you're trying to you know be you know super impressive you know all this stuff but, uh, yeah, it didn't work out that way. That, so, But, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, Skip, uh, the guy who I refer to as Skip in the book, um, he's a guy that I uh, really, really respect a lot. And I still talk to on occasion, uh, even now. And, uh, hell, this is probably had to have been over 20 years ago now. Uh, but, you know, he's just a great guy. And, um, you know, if he's listening to this, I'm sure he probably remembers this whole conversation as well. But uh, I really do believe that he and I, um, you know, we started a friendship after that, that, uh, screwdriver incident <laughs> and, um, man, that sucked. That was just, that was the worst thing in the world going out there in the mud with a screwdriver, digging those things out of the ground. I mean, that was terrible, but, uh, yeah, I, I did spend about five hours that night and I think I ended up getting done around, I don't know, maybe 10 o'clock. Uh, and he stuck around, he stuck around to make sure I was doing it. So anyway, don't steal golf carts, kids, if you're listening to this and you work at a country club. I'm sure you've probably got one of the, a rule like that, too. But uh, fun times indeed. So anyway, uh, thanks again, folks, for listening and for downloading. Let me know what you think about that, that episode, that chapter. Send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at golfunfiltered. If this is the, first, the last time that I speak to you for uh, 2017, once again, thank you so much for all of your support. I really do appreciate it. You guys know I only do this for fun. Uh, I don't make any money on the site. I don't have any sponsors. And so, um, you know, any any feedback you guys give is, is great. And any support you show, just know that, you know, you're helping helping me out with something that I really, truly love doing. And uh, your support just makes it, uh, makes it possible. So, anyway, 
Have a safe holiday season. If you don't hear from me again, I'm sure I'll be out on Twitter. Feel free to talk to me there as well. I wish you guys and your families all the best. Thanks again. We'll talk to you soon.